Hey friends, this is Ashley coming to you before this episode starts. I just wanted to let you all know that I have a newsletter. It's also called Boss Barista and you can find all of our episodes along with full transcripts and articles about each episode at the newsletter. So go to bossbarista.substack.com and all of this stuff will just end up in your email. It's kind of like magic. So again, bossbarista.substack.com to find all of these episodes along with additional content. Thanks for listening and on to the show. Hey friends, welcome to Boss Barista, the podcast about workplace equity and employee empowerment in coffee and beyond. I'm Ashley Rodriguez. Camilla Codu has been on the podcast three times. Once to talk about a wild incident at her workplace, which we're not going to get into in this episode, but there will be links in the show notes and in the transcript if you want to listen to past episodes. The second time was to discuss a project she was working on regarding patron engagement or how we can communicate with customers on the work we do that's often behind the scenes or not looked at very often. And she's with us again today for a third time. Camilla has been in the service industry for over a decade and now works as a coach, helping folks intentionally explore their passions and interests. She started a workshop called The Pause Project, where folks are invited to focus on one thing, one week at a time, setting aside other tasks as a way to bring more curiosity and intention into your goals. But there's no one clear line separating her coaching work and her coffee work. And in this episode, this is almost a continuation of all the conversations that we've had. And we posit some big ideas, primarily that baristas can kind of do it all. I admit, this episode was cathartic for me in a way I'm not sure others outside the service industry would understand wholly. It's kind of raw and explores how service folks develop almost a super set of powers that people often overlook. People who work in restaurants, in bars, in coffee shops, cultivate a level of empathy and awareness that ultimately translates to this gentleness that I don't think that we have any other way to teach. It makes these folks so equipped to handle so much, but I'm not sure we've found a way to value the skills of service workers, so much so that I don't know if many service workers themselves have the language to quantify these skills. This episode is both about the abstract and the concrete struggles of service work. One of the reasons Camilla developed her coaching practice is because she saw how much insight being a barista and a manager gave her, but that didn't translate on a resume. But like I said, this is also a continuation of a conversation Camilla and I have basically been having since she first appeared on the show in 2019, and a conversation I'm sure we're going to continue having. Here's Camilla. Camilla, I was hoping you could start by introducing yourself. Yeah, I would love to. I am Camilla. I use she, her pronouns. I live in Portland, Oregon, and I am a certified coach. I support people in questions around alignment and process. I run a few workshops, and I am also a longstanding coffee professional. This is the third time that you've been on the show. 
which is incredible. So for people listening who maybe want a little more background on Camilla's coffee career, you should go back to both of those episodes, which we'll link to in the show notes. So I almost kind of want to like pick up from the last time we chatted, which was right before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You were doing a project. It was about patron engagement. It was about how do we engage customers with kind of the work that we're doing in coffee shops. And maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that as we move along. But I want to I want to focus in more like temporally, like where were you at that point in your career and how do we get to the point that we're at now? Obviously, that's a big question. But like, let's 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 pick this up like a book, like pick it up right where we left off. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm trying to remember. So where where I was for sure at that time was a little bit of a wrap up place for my project Barista Behind the Bar, which came from a desire to have conversations in the coffee industry around workplace equity and safety, not just in terms of like physical safety, but also very deeply emotional safety and how we show up to the spaces we work in fully as ourselves and feeling that the people we work for care about us. Right. And you were doing like a road trip also yeah. supporting that. So you were going all around the US talking to people, publishing interviews. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I was getting ready to go on another tour of that when the pandemic hit. I was raising funds and starting to yeah plan the whole thing. And COVID had absolutely different plans. <laughs> so I found myself after this huge push of momentum. I actually right before, I think about this all the time because I do have quite a bit of grief around this, but I was actually planning an educational event to take place March 16th, 2020. And we got stay at home orders literally that day. I had people flying in from all around the country. I had people speaking. It was going to be awesome. And then the wind was just taken right out of my sails. Did you have to like send people home? Like did people fly in and then just had to go right back? Yes. Luckily, I had to cancel. Oh my God, the one of the most like pandemic moments that I had, especially at the beginning of like, wow, this is mass chaos. I was trying to cancel somebody's flight because it was looking not so hot. Some people did land and did have to turn right back around, but one person's flight in particular, I was trying to cancel. And Priceline was like, your wait time is 72 hours. I was like, wow, this is dire. <laughs> so that's that moment where pretty much everything changes for you. So how did you start to think of what to do next? Mm -hmm. Well, so luckily from Barisa Behind the Bar, I had developed some relationships with companies, I mean, really all over the country. And I think there was definitely that summer with the protests and, you know, all the conversations we started having around equity and racial justice, particularly after the murder of George Floyd, I think a lot, it was kind of like this call to arms, which, you know, is is complicated. But regardless, there were many companies and individuals that I spoke to that were like, wow, okay, this is a very real conversation we should have been having. And now it's dire. And so I ended up speaking with several companies that I had relationships with and starting to do some conversations around equity work. Um, So I sort of like stepped into this role as consultant, which was kind of this like, funny, On the one hand, I'm like, yes, I do have a lot of experience with this. I've been a general manager in hiring and training in equity and coffee for a very long time. And also like a consultant, what? There was a lot of like, 
imposter syndrome that came along with the territory. But what I started to notice in those conversations is like, yes, I was equipped to have these conversations. And like, I could step into the role and, and move people through a variety of understandings of like, what is equity? How, you know, how do we create workspaces that are comfortable and safe for people that champion diversity and pathways to leadership for people who aren't traditionally in leadership roles, particularly in coffee. But in those conversations, in those relationships, the very real deeper work started to come out because it's so, it's not just institutional, it's emotional, it's personal. And so I started realizing that a lot of what I was doing was actually coaching people. How did you realize that? Oh, I think it was like a million different moments where I realized that people, we all have the capacity for change, but we really need support and support and change. Support can be external, but change has to come from within. And so much of how we can change and how we can evolve is deeply supported by someone supporting you and holding the mirror up and reflecting like, hey, this is what I see. Have you considered this? Have you considered that? And so when people, my clients were having these like really intense, like reckoning moments of like, how do I support my staff? Like the question invariably came up, like, how am I supporting myself? What am I holding myself accountable to? And then like that is just a Pandora's box of like, okay, (laughs) what are all the things we can look at? What are all the things we can like take out and inspect? And like, if you can't, you need to start with yourself, I believe in order to create change. So yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of how like coaching came to the forefront of what I was doing. And the other thing, which I'm sure we'll get into more is being in management and coffee for so long. So I worked in the coffee industry like sustained for about 13 years. And a lot of that time was spent in management And so much of management is coaching people, supporting staff members to do whatever is their personal best and move towards whatever goals feel right for them and coaching people through that. So it was a really natural extension of that. I think you might be one of the only people who I've ever heard say that management is really the process of coaching people, Mm -hmm. even though... I 100% agree management is not about telling people what to do, but rather to use the analogy that you used earlier, holding up a mirror to people and having them see their own work or see their own reflection and think, hey, is this the thing that you want to be doing? Or, hey, this is what I see when you're doing X, Y, and Z. Like, is this the kind of the direction that you want to go in? And this can be small or minuscule. It can be as small as like, hey, I noticed that you really like doing inventory. Like, is that a direction that you want to move into your career? Would you be interested in management? Or, hey, I see that you really like doing customer service work. Like, is that a direction you want to move? It can be small like that, but it can also be bigger, like you were saying with some of the with some of the folks that you worked in during your consulting process. And I wonder for you, was it always intuitive that your role as a manager, as a leader was to be a coach? Because again, I don't think that that's intuitive. Yeah, I think there is a certain amount of my position currently that is intuitive, but my evolution in leadership as a manager started when I was, well, I I honestly feel like I've been working towards like leadership roles kind of my whole life, but it has been a long, hard road (laughs) with a lot of 
challenges and self-doubt and questioning many, many times. And honestly, like the times where I have had people really like step up and be like, hey, I don't feel good about the way you're leading me. Like those have been some, some of the hardest times in my life, but also some of the biggest growth moments. I have, I can remember several times when staff members have been like, basically like you suck. And I have like, you know, gone home and like cried and then been like, okay, you know, what, what's happening here? How can I meet my staff where they're at? And so it's it's been a really hard process of personal evolution, but also, yeah, like there is an intuitive component and where I reached, you know, to, to get to the point of your question about like viewing it as this sort of coaching role, I think where I ultimately landed right, you know, right before I left at least a management portion of my coffee career is realizing that on a team in a coffee shop, yes, there are certain things that like everybody needs to do. Like everybody needs to have a good close so that the opener can feel supported. Like that's, you know, there's some non-negotiables. But within that, there are, I don't believe that everybody on a team needs to do exactly the same thing in exactly the same way. And there's a subtlety and a nuance to each group, each iteration of the team, and everybody brings their strengths and everybody brings, you know, their stuff. And so viewing it that way and starting to understand like, okay, I don't need everybody to behave in exactly the same way as long as everybody's like meeting these non-negotiables, there are strengths. There are things that people can like come forward and engage in and they can feel good about that. And then there are some things that like, you know, maybe they're not the best at, but that's okay because we're on a team. Right. How would you define coaching? I know that's a little bit of a broad question. Maybe it feels a little bit like putting you on the spot. <laughs> no, I think that's a really good question, especially because I I am a certified coach now and I have completed a coaching program, but I actually did start coaching before I did that, before I had a certification, which is, is coaching is one of those like nebulous things, like anyone truly can say they are a coach. And as long as you're like honest and clear that like this isn't therapy, like as long as you're like clear with your client, you, you can be a coach, but so I'd say for me that I define coaching as kind of like a one part support, one part cheerleader and one part mirror. I want to say two parts mirror. So one part support, one part cheerleader, two parts mirror. Yes. Okay, that makes sense. I I, I broke the math down on that. Okay. <laughs> You're like 25, 50. Okay, like, cool. I'm like, you know, Carrie, no, that would, I was a math teacher. So I, I hope that I still have some of those skills that I could do that math. Talk about the mirror part. Why did you put two parts in that? Yeah, um, I appreciate the opportunity to clarify because I think that is probably the most important aspect of my ap- approach to coaching. And, and this isn't just like mine. This is an understanding I think in coaching in general, which is the belief that everyone, you, me, and everyone we work with, our clients have what they need within them. It's not about telling people, hey, this is how you fix this, or hey, like, do this. It's not prescriptive as much as it's like, oh, I noticed that you said this thing around boundaries. Like, can you, you know, can we explore that a little more together? I I will listen to someone share what's coming up for them. And then I'll reflect it back to them. 
with curiosity and just really the question is usually like, can you tell me more about that? And then in the process, as people start to sort of like call through that, they uncover themselves always like what's true for them. I don't have that information. And so, so much of it is just, I noticed this, which to me is like mirroring. This is what I heard. I love that on a very personal level, because as I, I don't know. You and I are, are 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 the same age, I believe, and I feel like I'm grappling with this idea that so much of my 20s was just like getting through it and feeling like really resilient, and so much of my 30s has been like, oh, I'm actually like very very not broken, but like very much like reflecting back on so much of what I thought was resilience was actually just like me deflecting mm-hmm. a lot of like the pain and trauma that I've faced in my life and I look at a lot of the work that I'm doing now and I wonder if it's worth it or am I on the path that I should be? And as I've been talking to others who maybe aren't, you know, they're not there to coach me. It's just like friends and others. I find so much power in saying a thing out loud and having them say it back to me. Cause number one, it's validating, but number two, it gives you a chance to really like see it to like it, it, it's almost like taking something outside of yourself and being able to look at it fully. And I imagine bearing witness to that must be really powerful on your end too. Oh yeah. I mean, there's so much resonance in that. Very often clients will be sharing something that, I mean, it's almost like exactly something I've been through. And, you know, of course, like with the relationship client to coach, I'm not necessarily sharing like Oh, here's my experience. With right. That. I think the the relationship is a little bit more malleable than, say, a therapist. There's much there's a stronger boundary around that, so I can bring that in. But yes, it's incredible. Like I will hear someone share an experience about something, I'll be like, "Wow, this resonates so much." And then just I I will notice like after having a particularly like impactful conversation with a client. I mean, it might be impactful for them or not, but sometimes someone will say something that will stick with with me for like the you know, the next 24 hours or however long and be like, "Wow, I can't stop thinking about this thing that this person said. I I can relate so much." And then like and then that in turn gets my wheels turning about whatever it is in my life. I have to imagine too. One of the things that I love about interviewing people is that there's there's an invitation to be very direct with people. There's an invitation to ask very direct questions. And I have to imagine that that's also true of coaching where you get to have very, I don't want to say real, like that kind of feels like a little bit like glib to say, but like, but like real conversations with people where you're not having like a, hello, how are you? Like it's an invitation to really like get introspective and ask very deep and meaningful questions because that space is created even just by engaging in the relationship of like coach to client. Like there is space to be like, we are here to develop something that's real or really uncover something. It really kind of depends obviously on like what, what the person is working on. But I have to imagine too, that that makes for like a a strangely like rich landscape for really beautiful conversations. Yeah, it does. The other thing that I do with my coaching practice, and I think that this is, I I love one-on-one individual coaching, but probably the richest experience has been the workshop that I curated first, actually just for myself and is now in its eighth session. Tell us more about that. I would love to. (laughs) 
Um, it's called the Pause Project Workshop. I conceptualized of this idea for myself in kind of like the depths of winter 2020, like when we were already in to the pandemic about six months and cases were kind of spiking where I was living and we were asked to take a pause on, you know, socializing, which I'm like, I'm not doing any socializing as it is, but it was this invitation, this like external invitation to sort of take stock of, am I caring for myself? Like what, what does this time mean for me? Not that it has to mean anything, but just realizing, you know, how many things were sort of like up for question at that time in the, in the pandemic. So I found myself, using this sort of invitation, I guess, to take a pause. And I used the time to turn inward. And I I honestly, I don't know where this idea came from, but I conceptualized it. I think I was like laying in bed with my girlfriend. And I was like, I think for the next month, every week, I am going to focus my attention on one thing, one act of self-care or one act of introspection, and give myself permission to put everything else down. Because I am a person who has a variety of like interests and passions, but I can also get extremely, I can feel almost like debilitated or like stuck, um, overwhelmed even in making a choice of like, what am I going to do today? Am I going to write? Am I going to paint? Am I, you know? And so I thought like, okay, what if, what if I gave myself permission to put literally everything else down and just focus my attention on one thing for just a week at a time, knowing that on the other side of the week, everything else will still be there for me and I can pick it up. But this time now is to focus in on one thing. Um, so yeah, that that was the pause project for myself back in December of 2020. And I shared a lot about it on my social media platform and had like, I had some lives where I first just shared my experience. I also interviewed other people about, you know, one of the things I wanted to focus on was starting a business because I was starting to understand like, okay, when I'm moving towards this coaching, how do I do that? How do I want to show up in that space? And there was so much connection from me taking myself along this process and sharing it with other people. And someone somewhere in there was like, you should run a workshop about this. And I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess I'm Aries enough to be like, yeah, I can do that. Every, I think every conversation that we've had reminds us that you're an Aries. Yes, and that you're an Aries. <laughs> and I'm an Aries as well. So there's a lot of very similar energy. I can see I can see exactly that same thing happening to me where someone's like, you should start a workshop. I'd be like, yeah. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. same response. At what moment did you feel like that was valid? Like, okay, I can start a workshop. Cool, someone suggested that. But at what moment did you feel like this is actually valuable and I have something to share what a good question I guess I guess it was a collection of moments I think one thing that is 100% true and I cannot take any credit for at all is the necessity for community connection right now for sure but definitely when I started the pause project and so People, I think we're looking for that. And so really like any sort of space that people could provide for us to connect because there was just so much like distance and alienation. And so even just that started to feel valuable pretty much almost immediately, even just like even when I was doing it for myself before it was a workshop, talking to people, 
DMing, like connecting with people like all around the country, kind of, I mean, even all around the world. Like I've got friends, you know, in Australia that I haven't spoken to. And I think because of the pandemic, like we've definitely, at least for me, it has become more normalized to be in communication sort of with everyone because the level, the playing field is leveled now. It's like, if you can get on Zoom with someone in Oregon, you can also get on Zoom with, you know, the friend you haven't spoken to for a year in Australia because like it's all it's the same same medium right. so I think the the value started with community and has at this point it continues to be community and it has also become this incredible sort of like hive mind space where it's not just me coaching like yes I'm facilitating the space but the space is deeply and intrinsically informed by what participants are experiencing in the pause project. So, so yeah, the pause project now is a workshop. It's usually four weeks long. There's usually about six to eight participants. We come together on group calls and everybody gets one-on-one coaching throughout the week. And, and really it's a chance for everybody in the group to see themselves through the process of, um, kind of understanding not just like oh how do I complete a process or a project rather like but really looking at the process of like what is it that I want to achieve why do I want to achieve it how do I achieve it and what are the blocks that come up and to me I'm like wow that just incredibly relates back to being in a coffee shop having a team of people showing up for each other in terms of like where we are all at on our our individual journeys of self-discovery and coffee shop work and how do we work together to lift each other up. Something that's come up a lot in conversations I've had throughout this podcast, especially lately, is how much self-reflection can happen within service work. Obviously, we're talking about coffee because you and I have both worked in coffee, this is boss barista after all. But I think in service work in general, there's this really kind of unique ability to show up as authentically as yourself in a way. And someone noted that in an episode, Nikki, Nikki Tolch told me one of the reasons that she was attracted to coffee was that she had never seen people just like be themselves at work before. And I thought that that was really interesting and really special because we do so much one-on-one work with customers. We do so much one-on-one work with like our our colleagues, our managers, but we also do a lot of this group work and there's a lot of opportunity to really build skills that I think people miss, that that people don't really see when they see like a barista on a resume or that you are a coffee shop manager on a resume. People kind of think, oh, you made coffee and that's it. But because we interact with so many people every day, we almost get, again, to steal uh, your your analogy, you get a mirror pretty much every, mm-hmm. what, like two minutes when you see a new customer. Like there's always a chance to kind of learn something new and engage with the world in a new way that teaches you something else. And I know that that's a little bit nebulous, but I think... I think that's something that you can relate to. And I imagine that that's something that you are identifying in yourself as like, these are the skills that I have because of coffee. This is what coffee has given me. And I'm not seeing other people recognize that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh my God, the amount of, I used to say that management, and I think this is probably true across all management, but especially service industry management is I used to say that it was about managing expectations 
not really like yes for staff but also for sure for customers it's like and what i mean by that isn't like oh your expectations are you know high or low as much as like i'm going to give you the information you need so that then you can show up in your authenticity about and in also like your agency about what you decide for yourself and it's that is such it can be extremely complex and like obviously we know that there's so much there for employers in terms of like job descriptions and salaries and all that. But as a barista, I mean, you do that every single day, especially like say you're on register and someone comes in and orders something that's not on the menu. Like you have that just tiny little interactive moment in which you actually get to engage with this person's agency in your own agency by sharing with them what is available and then they get they get to be in choice about whether or not they order that or they leave and i know that that's might seem kind of like a silly minute example of that but it's a microcosm of how we engage with people all the time i totally agree yeah, yeah all our relationships and the the other thing actually this came up the other the last time i was on shift because i do currently have coffee shop work right now I've I've picked up a shift a week and also like sometimes I cover when people are out in support of coaching because I am starting my own business and like there's I mean I can also get into how challenging that has been especially financially but so I I am working in coffee currently as well kind of like back into it after a few years away and so the other day on shift I had this interaction with this customer who had extremely high expectations and was very um I would use the word entitled, (laughs) but just like noticing like where the boundaries of like their needs were and where the boundaries of my needs were. Like I could tell that this person like needed something. And I also could tell within myself, like I'm actually not available to provide that. And so I was able to have like a direct, clear engagement with this person and then let it go once they left. And if you've worked in industry, you know that you can have interactions with people who rub you the wrong way all the time. And like that can stick with you for so long. But yeah, I think this example of like all the different ways that you can engage with relationships on every level. Yeah. I mean, I, I think about it all the time. <laughs> I I do too. And it's hard to define. And I think that both of our kind of question answers allude to that it's 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 difficult to always find but I love the example that you gave because that was really defined and I don't know that I would have gotten to that second level I think I would have gotten to that first level of like okay this customer expects from me something that I cannot provide or their expectations are something else perhaps that's informed by their background perhaps that's informed by the way that they've engaged in other coffee shops before whatever I can't their expectations are not are not a factor of something that I have done. But I think what's interesting is the second part of you where you said like, I think I would have been like above, I would have tried to like figure out like how to, how to meet those expectations. But I love that like you were able to say like, I actually can't, like I am not available to do that right now. Maybe I would be available another time or maybe I just can't like identify what they need. So like I need to figure out a way to navigate this situation. I don't know. I find that so fascinating. And I find that like, I think the more, the more that I interact with coffee folks and the more that I interact with people who have been longtime baristas, who have been people who have served customers for years, I find that almost gentleness mm-hmm. is really inherent in them. And I don't know that we have a system to teach 
this like really profound gentleness. And I don't know if that's the right word for it. Like that, that's what I'm thinking about right now. But there seems to be this like yeah. really beautiful relational gentleness that you're able to provide in these situations that I don't know that we have any sort of mechanism to teach otherwise. I mean, I I agree. And I think one perfect example of it, and I'm realizing also now, like, I do want to touch upon, which I think was your initial question of like, moving, moving these skills that you learn, like sort of beyond coffee and like, the tension in that. But first, I want to touch upon what you just said about this, like gentleness, I do think that yes, there is not an easy way to explain that or teach that. But there is this one example that I keep seeing of where, and I'm sure that this is like incredibly relatable of where a customer shows up and is standing at the register and you're behind the register brewing a pot of coffee or like pulling a shot or doing something. And the customer, instead of noting, like there isn't actually standing, there isn't someone standing in front of me ready to take my order, will just launch into like, can I have a blank? And there's this moment where as the person in charge of giving this person what they're asking for, you can either like, For me, I'm like, I can cross my boundary and start taking their order, or I can take a pause and say, I will be with you in just one moment. And like that experience right there is a gentle, firm articulation of a boundary and also an honoring of like, I want to give you attention so that I can really understand that you want like a 12 ounce, no whip, you know, half calf mocha. And I know that I am not available to understand all that information at this time while I'm brewing this pot of coffee. So please, I will meet you in a moment. I think that right there is this gentleness, but it is also this clarity. Absolutely. That was a great example. I think about it all the time. And it truly happens all the time. I'm like, I'm like, sir, there's literally no one standing at the register. But you're right. Like there is a moment where like, I think as a maybe a tense barista, I I might be like, let me drop everything that I'm doing and go over and acknowledge this person or, you know, maybe try to still do the thing that I'm doing and take this person's order. But there is a way to be gentle and set boundaries like, hey, I'll be with you in just a moment. And I think it's even part of that, too, of like acknowledging them, because I can also see the converse where like you can maybe ignore that person because like you're doing something else, but it's also like meeting them where they're that where they're at too, like acknowledging them and being like, this is the boundary I'm going to set. It's like actually drawing the line in the sand versus like assuming the line has already been drawn. Right. Exactly. And you know, I think that there is gentleness in that and like the acknowledgement that we're all in, we're all like doing our own thing. You know, I think that's also something really important for me is like, I don't take it personally when somebody's like in a rush. I'm like, you're in your life having your experience and you need something. So like, let's, let's make it work for both of us. Um, and even in just that simple experience. And I think that that those skills and that which we practice literally like dozens of times in one shift. I mean, those are incredibly transferable skills, which like, I mean, I'm about to get on my soapbox. But one of the reasons I find myself right now working not in the coffee industry, exclusively is because I personally when it was time when for me, I was like, I'm ready to try something different. I love this work and I'd like to transfer my skills elsewhere. I did not find that to be easy. I did not find that my skills were taken seriously. I mean, in the last year of my last like big coffee shop job, I think I applied to over, I think it was 115 jobs. And I had been a general manager for several years, managing a team of 50 people. So I thought my skills were transferable, but I only got two interviews and it was actually people I knew 
And so what what kind of range of jobs did you apply for? Oh, yeah. I mean, I applied for like project management. I applied for like customer service. Most of it was in like tech adjacent things. I applied for like office management, like that kind of thing. And I'm like, these skills, I'm like, I, I can plan someone's calendar. Like I can post. I've made a schedule for 50 people. I can plan someone's calendar. Yes. And I, I was really kind of blown away at how I would rarely receive, not even just, I mean, I'm like an interview, like, oh yeah, I've done interviews. I know that it's like taxing, but I, I really, maybe it's naive, but I was incredibly surprised to, to not be given the time of day. Yeah. And for the fact that there are so many applicable skills in coffee, especially just like the relational aspect of it. I don't think that any job other than service work really teaches you how to interact with others and just like be, be in community with others. Absolutely. Um, So speaking a, a little bit more to your experiences and you starting to build this career for yourself, it seems like, like almost like not like you had to, you could have done, you know, whatever number of things, but it seems like you were getting to this point where you were like, I can't move out of this. Like this is the, the only other answer is for me to start my own business, which I totally relate to. Mm-hmm. What, I don't know. I don't want to say what advice you have for people, but maybe we can speak a little bit to folks who maybe feel that same tension who are maybe at that point in their lives where they feel like maybe coffee is not the direction that they want to go to forever that they love their industry but they're ready to do something else like what would you i guess coach people on 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 thinking about as they maybe think about another direction for their lives i think that's a really good question i think the first place I might suggest people start with that question is, why are you in coffee? I think a huge question, I think that there can be sort of this like, well, you know, it's a quote unquote entry level job. I got it out of college, you know, but there are many things you can do when you're looking for, again, quote unquote, an entry level job. And there is a reason you might not know it, but there is a reason that you gravitate towards the work you do and the reason you stick to it. So I think the biggest question for me would be, why do you do what you do and why do you love it? And then from there, I think the journey is to figure out how to find that elsewhere, but also how to speak about it. How, I mean, for me, I don't know how obvious this is thus far, but for me, it's pretty obvious. My interest is in relationships. Like, yes, I can like, pour a rosetta and like dial in the espresso but for me it was always about the relationship the relationship with the customers with the teammates with like the delivery people the community every single thing about that is what made my day it made my heart sing it made me stay in the work and so taking that and thinking like okay what's the most important thing to me in my work right now and really in my life's journey is it's relationships and this relational experience of, I mean, it's so rich, the boundaries conversation, we just had all of it. And so in naming that for myself and realizing like, okay, that's what I have. That's the skill I've been honing. And I think there's also, I think it needs to be named too, that sometimes the skills that we're naming might seem like, oh, cool. You're good at having relationships. Like, no, that's really 
important. That's really like exactly what you're saying. You don't get taught how to manage or juggle this many relationships and this many interactions in almost any other industry, but the service industry. And so for me realizing that I was like, okay, relationships, how do I do that? Okay. Coaching seems like a very clear path forward for me. So I would say the first question is really ask yourself, give yourself the time to inspect. What is it about this work that I like it, you know, and it's multifaceted. It could be management, it could be organizational, it could be artistic. It's just endless what we do. There's like no limit to the amount of skills that coffee professionals and service industries and general service industry workers in general have. And so give yourself the time to inspect what exactly it is that draws you to the work, has kept you in the work. What do you love about it? And then from there, where, where can you take that? What are some of the other workshops that you host or work on? So I have been doing, like I said, the pause project now. It's been almost two years, which I almost can't even believe. There have been many themes that have come out of not just a pause project workshop, but also individual coaching. One huge theme that has come up a lot is how we shift perspectives. There is so much in this world we don't have any control over, but one thing that we do have choice in is how we view a specific experience. I think that the examples, you know, that we're speaking of in terms of like customer and customer interactions, like, yes, that's a real experience. And also there's a certain level of personal perspective that can really impact how you come out of that. So this question of, here's this thing I believe either about myself or the world, or my job, or my relationship, or whatever it is, and then how do I get to a place where I can interact with it differently based on my perspective? So of this like huge question, I have created a new workshop that's shorter and more direct, and it's called The Pivot, and it's about changing your mind. It's one week long instead of the month-long process of the Pause Project workshop, but The Pivot, so yeah, it's it's basically taking this one specific question of changing your mind, challenging your beliefs about something, and seeing how you can shift your perspective over the course of a week. And it does have a group component and a coaching component. So it's kind of like a mini version of one aspect of the pause project. Is there anything else that you want people to know about listening to this episode? Good question so much. <laughs> I think my I think if I could say like one thing to people in coffee and in the service industry is and I know I feel like this is gonna resonate with you so much because we've had this conversation, I feel like many times, that we're deeply skilled and incredible workers. The work we do is important. It is imperative to the health of a community and to not take that lightly to like stand, you know, not everyone might see that, but to stand firmly in the truth of that. And that from there, um, you know, you can, you can take it and move towards other things you want, but always, I mean, I think we should always know that (laughs) coffee workers should always know how incredible we are. Camilla, thank you so much for being on the show with me for the third time. Thank you so much for having me, Ashley. I love our conversations. So do I.
was Camilla Cadu. You can find out more about Camilla's coaching practice, including some of the workshops that she mentioned in this episode, by going to www.sistersundown.com. And in a very first for Boss Barista, Camilla will be authoring a guest post for the newsletter. So on Thursday, we'll be publishing that piece, and you can find that along with a full transcript of this episode by going to bossbarista.substack.com. Thank you, and we'll see you in two weeks. I'm just looking for a better day. Boss Barista is produced by me, Ashley Rodriguez. You can find a transcription of this episode on my newsletter, along with an accompanying article about this episode every Thursday at bossbarista.substack.com. To support the show, you can visit www.patreon.com slash bossbarista. We have over 80 patrons supporting the show right now, which is incredible. And that helps keep the show alive. We pay guests through this fund, we pay for website hosting, and we make donations. Half of our patron donations are currently pledged to five different nonprofits, each at $50 a month. Asada's Daughters, the Loveland Foundation, the Native American Rights Fund, the Grocery Run Club, and the Chicago Community Bond Fund. Again, if you want to support Boss Barista, consider making a monthly donation at www.patreon.com slash bossbarista. Another amazing way to support the show is to share this episode with just one person, a friend, someone who you think would learn something from this episode, anybody. Sharing on social media is also a huge help, along with giving us a five-star review on Apple iTunes. As a small production, these things matter a lot. So if you can take a little time, share out some of your favorite quotes from this episode, and tag us, that would be amazing. We're at Boss Barista Podcast on Instagram and Boss underscore Barista on Twitter. You can also send me an email at bossbaristapodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.